Hello, welcome back to Sextras. Where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey. And I'm Maria. And today we are joined by a very lovely guest, Dr. Aditi Paul. She wrote a book called The Current Collegiate Hookup Culture, all about exactly what it sounds like it's about, about dating apps and hookups at colleges across the US. Yeah, I believe it's more like a research book, so it's not like you know, go out and read the novel yeah. about this or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she, you know, was talking to college students and like finding out what's actually going on, but she will tell us all about it. Yes. Yeah, we just had like a really nice chat, to be honest. And, yeah. you know, just talked about like hookup culture. Yeah, the differences and... <laughs> between the UK and the US. Yeah, it was quite a nice little chat and yeah, she just told us a bit about her research and a bit about dating apps. Yeah, we talked about Gen Z, which we are Gen Z, <laughs> so it was appreciated to write up our street. Of, yeah, like a little bit of actual statistics about <laughs> what our generation is up to, not just us being like, oh, this is my life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, thank you to Dr. Aditi Paul. We'll obviously get into it in a minute, but should we talk about our zones? Oh yeah, for sure. Let's let's talk about our zones. What zone are you in, hun? I feel like I'm in quite a green zone this week. Okay. Yeah. You're oh, going with the flow. I know that's a surprise because <laughs> I was thinking grey as always <laughs> because as well, you can hear or maybe you can't hear in which case that's nice i feel like you can hear it in our voice yeah like we are both sick and i have been in bed the entire bank holiday jubilee weekend so that was fun i didn't do anything rip um whereas maria's been you know May i flew around the world i i went to florence and i flew straight into the jubilee party like went straight to it you know really yeah like my street was having a party and I wasn't gonna go but my mom was like oh well we paid for everyone to go so I was like well guess now I have to go that's so surprising to me I did not think you were gonna celebrate the jubilee yeah I mean I wasn't I wasn't really celebrating the jubilee me and my sister just went and ate some food yeah and then we left when we didn't want to eat the food anymore yeah so fair but I'm sorry I didn't say my zone I mean I'm I'm still sick. <laughs> like, I don't know why this ain't going away. She says that she smokes, like, the entire day, obviously. But I'm, like, not really feeling great recently. Yes, yeah, also relationship-wise, my boyfriend went back to Paris, and, like, when that happens, it's, like, I literally just don't really speak to him for, like, a week. I mean, we, we've still spoken, like, every night, but, like, not really, like, spoken, you know? <laughs> And, like, we've only had, like, tiny little conversations and only, like... We haven't video FaceTimed in, like, three days, so... Oh, my God. It's kind of, like, becoming a bit rude at this moment. If he doesn't... Oh, my God. If he doesn't video FaceTime me tonight, I'm going to... I'm not going to be a happy girl. (laughs) true good attachment style. Yes. It annoys me. Like, it just... Like, consideration for me and my life just goes out the window a little bit. In these periods, so I'm like feeling a little bit irritated in terms of my love life. Sorry for going on this rant. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the reality of Gen Z dating, yeah. okay? <laughs> this is quantitative research right here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, other, yeah, irritated, like kind of still in the gray zone. Like, get me out. Yeah, well, mate, you know what I realised is that it is now officially halfway through 2022 and I have not had sex this year. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. That's so sad. But you know what? I actually just don't even care anymore. Like, I think I'm too far into mm. my dry spell. That's how you know you've gotten too far in is that you just stop caring you don't yeah, even true. want sex anymore true. you have you... no motivation what is sex at this point is yeah. when you regrow your virginity that's yeah. what i'm telling my you my hymen you just... is fully intact <laughs> but yeah anyway love that for me <laughs> love that for you um, and love this sickness for both of us yeah but let's welcome let's dr aditi paul guest. 
thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Sextures as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We're super interested in your research that you've been doing in your book. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about like what inspired you to do the book? What where you started yeah I mean it it started from my abject uh, frustration of realizing that I'm getting super old (laughs) I'm a ailing millennial who has back pain issues right now and I teach at a university and I wanted to be extremely relatable to my students who fortunately or unfortunately belong to Gen Z, so a whole separate generation away from me. So I wanted to to know what's happening in that space, you know, just as my desperate attempt to stay relevant with them. I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. But um, I, I saw a lot of the experiences that my students were telling me about their sexual lives and the way they you know, date and, and, and hook up. And it was not matching with what I was reading in existing literature. So I wanted to capture their voices, be their advocate and, and look at how Gen Z is navigating the culture of sex, not just how old people like us think they're navigating it. So that was one of the ideas that I wanted to pursue through the book. And the second one, which I really was excited about, was understanding how like dating apps like Tinder or Grindr. I mean, you guys are in the UK, but I'm assuming you know Tinder. I'm assuming you guys are on Tinder. Everybody is on Tinder. So it's now that college students are using Tinder, like how is that affecting their hormones or or their sexual drives or are they just tuned out of it do we just think they're using tinder the way they're using tinder so what's happening in in that intersection of dating apps and and the culture of sex in college campuses so that led me to my book okay is it kind of like because you're a professor at a university from your perspective Mm-hmm. Or like from your colleague's perspective, do you have like an idea or like, is there a stereotype of how Gen Z are acting in their sex lives? Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is like whichever generation you are, the generation previous to you will virtue signal the fuck out of you. Like they will say back in our day, like, you know, this mm-hmm. meant something. And I mean, we've heard of it, right? I mean your parents have done that like you know I don't know what you guys are doing back in our day this happened that happened and we always think that we are you're marching to this land of moral degradation with every generation that goes in front of us and just like that we also thought that you know gen z does not commit or uh oh my gosh like what how do they even foster real relationships when their nose is always in in apps like do you even know how to have a conversation right are you just becoming bots and we had that kind of mentality toward toward gen z and and this not to get too french on you but like this lays a fair ideology toward relationships and you know how there is like this thing in in journalism where they say that the number of people who are killed in car accidents is exponentially higher than the number of people who get killed by shark attacks Mm -hmm. but people who get killed by shark attacks are the people who are in the news so like we see a lot of narratives about like Gen Z, Gen Z challenging the norms of sexuality. What is even gender? What is even sex? And that catches the media attention. And based on that, we think that, oh my God, like marriage as an institution or relationships as an institution is, is under attack. What is Gen Z doing? And that's not the case, to be honest, because like, like you said, you're in a relationship. So how is that happening? Right? I mean, clearly, there is a divide in our understanding of what Gen Z is doing, and what Gen Z is actually doing. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, my mom or like my grandparents think that our generation, especially because we have this podcast like about sex and relationships, they're like, whoa, it's so crazy. Yeah. They must be having so much sex. Yeah. I'm like, 
actually most of my friends have been in like three year long relationships yeah yeah, yeah. that's true I I mean I hadn't even thought about that but like genuinely like most people I know or I know a lot of people that have been in very long relationships rather than it being more of a but then again you I also know a lot of people that love the apps and like are always getting out there and whatever you know yeah so I do it's more evenly divided than other generations assume I think yeah Yeah. but is it true that like Gen Z is you're not like allergic to relationships I don't think that like and you look at commitment and you're like I could never you're not thinking like that right no, I don't think so. But I do I do get where that comes from because I do feel like Gen Z more than kind of like a little bit of what you were saying earlier, like also are more open yeah. to more like things. And I do feel like there is more of a like rise in like, mon- is monogamy really it? And all of that, Yeah, you know? So I do mm. get that. But I don't know if it's in a non-committal way. <laughs> I, I think it's more... We just know what options we have and we're more, like, willing to explore them. Or we just <laughs> have the language to talk about it, I guess, more. But, I mean, <laughs> you you tell us. What have you found in terms of people's relationship models? Have you found that people are having more one-night stands or are they in more open relationships? Or So I didn't quite compare the type of relationships they're in right now my research was focused on their hookup experiences because like the first thing that I checked was what does Gen Z even mean when they say hookups so when when somebody says oh I hooked up with this person what does that mean what what do you think it means I mean you're the people who are using this term that's what I want to know. I think it's an American thing because we don't say that here. Mm, that's true. It's so vague. Like, that's what, I, like, hookup really? I think can be like, because hookup, Americans use it for like getting with someone that's just like making out. Yeah. Or like shagging someone. Yeah. Which, which is having sex, you know, like it's like it can be, or you can even like hook up and like literally be having an orgy, but like here in the UK, you wouldn't, there's a bit more specificity to it, yeah. I think. We don't really have a term that's just like an umbrella for everything. Mm, because that is that is what hookups are like the term hookup it is an umbrella term and and people use that to to use it to their advantage because I don't know you know what like America is a very it's a very interesting country because it's very liberal but at its core it's very conservative like even when you think that you are liberal you're coming from a pretty conservative background um and i say that because it's interesting because like what you said in the uk you don't use hookups when you had sex you say shagging is that what it is that's yeah, like that's many lot, many times but terms. that's a one that we say oh so shagging can shagging be can shagging be having sex or making out no, no. it's only having sex yeah like if you shag someone like it's like shag that's yeah. like you fucked you definitely oh yeah and if you say like oh I fucked someone that's you shagged them like yeah. you had sex with them okay it can't be you just made it. like if you got if you just made out with someone I, I'm pretty sure you would say made out got with or like kissed ah uh, so what if you you like performed oral sex somebody performed oral sex on you would you still say shagging no mm, it depends I feel like there's a bit of leeway with like LGBT yeah with like queer sex maybe that it's a lot more umbrella termy because I feel like they are just like I mean they we are a lot (laughs) more like open about what constitutes having sex it's not necessarily just penetration Mm. but yeah you would still probably say like gave head or or like did bits did Did bits bits is like very British that's an umbrella one that's like for like anything that's beyond kissing but before shagging uh did bits is that am i getting it right or is it tidbits <laughs> no is it did or tid did 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 like doing bits doing like bits. we are did did bits see this is very interesting yeah yeah so 
like when American students, you know, it's it's the most it's the most excruciating feeling and the most like cringy feeling when like somebody older to you is trying to like get into your lingo. This is the moment we are talking about, like me trying to say did this. But yeah, like you know, going back to the conservative nature of of uh, the American culture. It's interesting that over here, when they say hookup, it's and it's and women do this mostly more than more than men. That is, they try to blunt out the the specificity of what they did mm. um, because of the sexual double standard that exists in society, where you know, if a woman, like on one hand, we are we are asked to own our sexuality, right? Like, you know, be very like Megan the Stallion, very Lizzo, and then very Cardi B, but then you punish the same women for doing that. So mm-hmm. we try to find a middle ground by owning our sexuality without being penalized for it by using these vague terms. Uh, and But I'm, what I'm hearing you say is that irrespective of your gender in the UK, if you've done something, you're going to be more specific about that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I think it's interesting because we both went to the same university and kind of the reason that we started the podcast is that we noticed how much people in our generation don't talk about sex or like there's a lot of slut shaming under the radar still. Mm. But I still think that the UK mm-hmm. university sex life is miles ahead of the US college sex life because I I studied abroad in America for a semester and I was like shocked by the sex culture especially because I lived with freshmen but tell me more about that like when you say miles ahead what does that mean I just think it's like a lot way more out there than the American <laughs> college system. Like people mm-hmm. will put their cards on the table a lot more and they're just a lot more open in terms of what it is they're doing. But there's still that under the radar shaming in a way. But when I went to America, it was like people would hang out with someone once and they would immediately label it as like, oh, they're my boyfriend or like, oh, we're dating now. And I just thought that was wild because that would never Mm. happen in the UK. (laughs) So how would it happen in the UK? There's a lot of hooking up on nights out, like when you go clubbing and that kind of thing, especially in first year of university. People are having a lot of sex and I don't know, Maria, you tell your like experience of in your halls, how you got chlamydia. (laughs) Well, like, how you got chlamydia oh my gosh I mean I got it three times there was like a whole thing about the oh my gosh that's awesome <laughs> not awesome but like I'm I'm glad that you had that experience and you like recovered from there yeah so in my because in the UK everyone in first year lives in halls and I, I know that they have dorms in the US and like that is the like college life as well mm-hmm in the UK it's like only the first year kind of thing so I do feel like there's a lot of you know like everyone's going a little bit crazy in the first year already and like being in that environment is like even more you know and then I just ended up sleeping with guys in my where I was living but because we had like kind of different little Mm. sections of the halls if you will it wasn't like my next door neighbor or whatever, even though one of them did actually end up being my literal next door neighbor and we shared a wall. But it's like, yeah, it's very much like in at, on nights out when everyone's drinking, it just kind of happens. But it's a lot, I feel like it's very obvious to both people what is going on. It's very much like this is mm-hmm. a one night stand or yeah. like this is something or it isn't I don't know because at least I didn't really seem to have like many miscommunications with like the guys that I was sleeping with and it was very much a like we know we're all sleeping with different people like in this vicinity yeah but like that's cool you know Hmm. yeah and and what you were what you were describing is what we see in in movies, right? I mean, I'm going to completely date myself, and I tell you, American Pie, but I should. That's like the holy bible of 
the sexual awakening of all college students. Everybody should watch it. That's that's the millennial gift to Gen Z and generations to come. American Pie. Um, I'm, have you watched? Have you watched it? I actually haven't. I haven't watched it. Sorry to say. You have not. Oh my god why why are you hurting me like this um watch it watch it there's somebody who shoves a penis in a warm apple pie like if that's not if that's not the elevator pitch i don't know what it is and what you're explaining right now is is a stereotypical hookup experience where you are you go to a party with your friends you're you're dressed a certain way like everybody is there to like do regrettable decisions after drinking alcohol and after you have like made out with somebody the expectation is not like oh i wish i mean there there could be something going on that usually ends up as one of those like drunken nights where both of you were horny and then you're like you know fucked each other it's basically not you both fucking each other it's the vodka and the long island iced tea that made it happen so like we know that we know that story yeah yeah and a lot of college students do that and and that was the dominating narrative of what we think hookups are and that's why you have all of this like you know just um warning signals going up that oh it can be harmful to women it can be this it can be that but then now what we're realizing is college students don't just like hook up through college parties they're hooking up through other instances as well so like I don't know if you, if you, it, it's honey, right? So like, I don't know if you saw this ever when you were here in, in an American college campus, but what happens is a lot of these hookups are like friendship based hookups. So you go to, I ask students like, where did you meet your, your last hookup partner? And a majority of them said that they met their last hookup partner in a college setting. So you met them at a class, you met them in a student club and the next most popular one became dating apps and parties so parties are a venue of meeting your hookup partners but parties are not the only venue to meet your hookup partners and then a small percentage of students met their hookup partners at work like internships but they were older so like they were in the fourth year and then they went and uh, hooked up with somebody they met at a office party or something Mm -hmm. to your point when you say that you know people going to parties doing that in america at least that's still a very heterosexual and a white space so people of color minorities sexual minorities racial minorities they're not meeting their partners at parties so that's a very Mm -hmm. like siloed way of thinking that this is the only way you can hook up or you can have casual sex definitely a part of it but not the entire story and do you think for people who aren't in that sphere of white heterosexual people, what what is the reason that they're not hooking up with people at parties? Is it because they don't feel safe? Is it because they aren't meeting people that they like mm. or they prefer mm. dating apps or So there are there are three ways to think about it right so when you go to a party and you want to hook up with somebody number one is you need to find somebody who's a compatible sexual partner the reality is all spaces are more heterosexual spaces so if you walk into a party the default setting is is a heterosexual space so that's one you just don't have partners to have sex with number two is even when you do have partners you may not want to squander that opportunity on a cheap hookup, right? So like if you are, let's say, the only Brit in a campus in Vietnam and you see another Brit guy, right? I mean, there is nobody who is a compatible partner. I don't know. I just completely assumed your sexuality as well. I don't know. Do you identify as heterosexual, heterocurious, bisexual, whatever it is? We're both bisexual. Okay, bisexual. So bisexual male. Um, what is bisexuality anyway? Like, you know, why yeah. are you pansexual at this point? We don't know. But you don't want to squander that opportunity. Like, you don't want to squander that opportunity by just like hooking up with this person. You want to see if something else can happen. So that's number two. And number three is they online spaces for any marginalized community has been a safer space than an offline area. So for example, for women, the reason why even women gravitate toward dating apps is because you can be sexual 
in a safer space than in an offline environment, right? I mean, for example, take your case. Like you're talking about things like chlamydia. You're talking about things like sex as two young women in the UK. What mode are you using? You're using a podcast, right? So you're still using an online space to talk about things that are generally considered taboo or racy at the very least. Mm -hmm. And we find our recluse in an online space because that gives us more control than what we would have in an offline space. So for those three reasons, lack of compatible partners, number two is uh, not squandering an opportunity to just have somebody who you are compatible with sexually or racially in a cheap hookup. And the third is a predilection for online spaces being safer. Find compatible partners than offline spaces. But we didn't finish your chlamydia story. Please continue. No, I mean, the story is essentially that since everyone was sleeping with everyone in my accommodation, there was like a little chlamydia circle going around, you know, that we were all trapped in it for a little while because we just kept getting it again after like getting rid of it I got it three times in the end and then that was was it for me I had to had to stop there (laughs) had to draw a limit that's you have great antibodies by the way I'm just saying yeah that's Uh, true I mean I have like a crazy good immune system yeah there you go this is why she (laughs) COVID. she's immune to COVID I honestly am she's immune to COVID I feel like I have had all the viruses but now tell me about your your relationship partner did you how did that start we met at uni in the same place in the same place um and I met him through someone that I I like hooked up with that I yeah I met him through someone that I slept with he introduced me to like the friends that he had made and then Mm -hmm. I got with my boyfriend now and that was like Mm -hmm at the start of uni and now I've graduated so like I'm I'm wondering like when you did get together with your now boyfriend did you like start start the thing off thinking that it's gonna go somewhere or would you were just like oh, okay no. with this being a hookup no I I chased him for ages to be fair by the end I did want to be in a relationship with him but at the start yeah. I just wanted to be friends with benefits I I really liked him as a person and I thought he was fit so I was like, mm-hmm. perfect scenario. So yeah, <laughs> like having people like buddies, like fuck mm. like buddies, yeah, is like quite yeah. a uni culture thing. Yeah, like links yeah. and that. Yeah, actually, yeah. we we saw that you did some research on sneaky links and that kind of terminology. Could you kind of talk a bit about what? Well, yeah. Discovered in that yeah. Area. Like, does everyone have a sneaky link, or what's going on? <laughs> you know, it's uh, sometimes you know Gen Z can be all talk. Like, let me just be honest with you. Like, that's that, and and we were like that too. We were like that too, and and what you were talking about is, you know, what has changed. Honestly, as human beings, we change very little. Let's just let's just be honest with that. We just we we are not like completely different humans. Every generation that goes in front of us, it's just the liberalness of society in talking about certain things that the previous generation didn't talk about that expands. So, for example, like did your parents not go to university and have the have a good time? Of course they did. They didn't talk about it, but they did a little bit to some extent. Like we they were children of the sixties and the seventies, right? Who are we kidding? But what we are doing is we are talking about it, right? Which makes us think that we are doing it. Talking about something and doing something is very different. Like, and I'm going to draw a very grim example, but think about the Me Too movement, right? Were women not sexually harassed? Were women not sexually assaulted before? Absolutely. For ages we have been. But we talk about it now, which has created space for those conversations, So in the same way, like, did we not have sneaky links? Did you not have a guy on the hook? Of course we did. But we didn't have a terminology for it. And it was not like something we would talk about. But that liberalness enfolding those divergent behaviors into a common conversation, that has expanded, which makes us think that Gen Z is doing all this shit, even when they're not. One of the things that I did see Gen Z do is, listen, like, you're you're a generation that has 
been born into technology and with technology you're born with options and 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 the world view is highly expansive at the same time this generation is very is living on edge to be honest because there's so much feedback loop that happens like not only are you getting feedback from your close friends you're living in online spaces which creates a sense of feedback you're getting feedback on this podcast and that that affects us right i mean we're looking for something that is comfortable we're looking for something that feels safe hence now we are seeing gen z more open toward relationships because your person becomes your safe space your person becomes a place of validation so i'll just read one instance when i ask students over here to talk about how did they hook up with this person so this person said we met for the first time from tinder we hung out all day in my room just talking she bought over a movie that she liked and i put that on and we just laid in bed for a while just joking around with each other one thing led to another after that it was pretty chill so like a chill way of hooking up without thinking that it may result into something whilst always having that interest in that resulting into something so that's that's what hookups are it's not like you're walking in with like you know sparkly nipple covers into an orgy and just having or chattering sex with five different people like no that's that's not what they're doing mm-hmm. okay so it's more like the result of the the sex that we're having is the same but it's more like the the journey to the sex is different to previous generations yeah okay yeah like it's it's chill you know it's like i mean this doesn't have to mean something like repeated things mean something right like but just having sex one time or hanging one time that doesn't mean anything see another thing is like when we talk about dates right like we went on a date with this person that's our first step of intimacy but with gen z what we're seeing is they do a whole lot of talking before and then go to the date so it's not that dates have become meaningless for gen z on the other side dates have become more meaningful for gen z that if you have decided to go on a date with somebody then they must have fulfilled these other previous steps versus our generation we didn't have that so like our first thing was going on a date mm. i hadn't thought about that yeah that's before. quite interesting and do you think dating apps have kind of changed how many people are available to us or how many people people are actually meeting or do you think it's kind of not as many as you would expect. <laughs> yeah, so you tell me how you have used dating apps and I'll tell you what I found. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like I'm quite a seasoned dating <laughs> app user. Yeah, I feel like you have a lot more to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> usually I would just go out for a drink with someone. I would never usually just go to someone's house kind of what you're saying for safety. Purposes. But like, do you talk to people like a lot before? Like, how much are you talking to I don't people really before you meet them? Chat to people a lot that much before I meet them. Like, I like to just go out and meet people because I get bored from just talking to people online. Like, I feel like it's just too much, and I'm not a very good yeah. texter when I haven't met someone. Like, I don't know. What yeah, to like, say. why do I care? Yeah, I don't <laughs> care about you. I've never met you. Why would I text you all the time? Yeah. <laughs> But then, yeah, we usually go for a drink and then if I have a good time, hook up maybe. But I've been trying to not hook up with people as much on the first date Mm -hmm. just to, like, kind of vet people a bit more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel like it's a good way to meet people, but it's not... I don't want to rely on it to meet people. Like, I have tried to, like, wean myself off the apps a little bit because... I want to meet more people in person, but I also don't know how to meet people in person. So it's not really going that well for me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing which we hear people say that I, I want to meet people organically. Yeah. Like, bro, what is even organic right now? Like half our time, like I, I get an I like a screen update, how much time I've spent on my screen over the phone. It's like four hours, but then the rest of the 12 hours that I'm awake, I'm on my laptop. Like, who am I? Who am I kidding? Like, our yeah. lives are online. Mm-hmm. So a good a, a good way to, like, think about how you'll meet somebody 
organically or what you think is face-to-face is through our day-to-day activities. Like it doesn't have to be artificial. Like I don't have to go to an app to meet somebody. I should meet somebody as I'm going on with my life. And then that will be much more gratifying than like, you know, always right swiping, left swiping people. But to your point, like how is dating app affecting the way we seek relationships? One question that I asked in the survey was when you right swiped on this person you hooked up with, did you intentionally right swipe with the idea that you wanted to hook up with them? And a majority of people said no. Like when you do right swipe on somebody, you're not doing it because you're a horn dog. Like it's <laughs> you get attracted to them. You you talk to them. And then, you know what happens? Like you said, that I've invested this much time on you. You're okay, borderline attractive. Really don't want to have you as a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but maybe get a bang out of it. You know, like just maybe maybe like satisfy some some of my needs if not all of my needs and that's how dating app hookups turn into hookups not because you're going to these dating apps and we're talking about tinder not with the idea that i want to have sex tonight it's like sometimes we do that but most of the times it just becomes like the least common denominator i'm like okay let me just get a fuck out of this and do you think that's i mean you kind of already touched on it a bit but did you find that more more like not heterosexual people were having hookups from apps or was it kind of a similar thing no 60 percent of people who said that they used apps were uh non-heterosexuals so like lesbian gay bisexual individuals like it's it skews highly toward the lgbtqia plus community dating apps and they and the way they navigate dating apps is also different like you said they'll the norms are different right i mean even when you say having sex what does that even mean when you're having when two gay men are having sex or when two bisexual women are having sex so the the boundaries are a lot more lax and it's a lot more planned so there's this one kid who said he even got lube to his hookup, like the night that they were going to hook up, like they knew something sexual was going to happen. So he was prepared. He got lube. He got condoms. He airdropped his location to his friend, um, all that jazz. So it's it's much less spontaneous than like just going to a party and like getting drunk and like shoving your tongue down a stranger's throat. Like <laughs> Yeah, and actually on this point, point about like lube and condoms. Now that we're here, what do you, did you find anything about like the the risks people were taking when they're having sex? Like, are they having safe sex with condoms? What's the prevalence of mm. STIs? And like, this is such a loaded question. But mm. also, how does alcohol play into? hookups and sex and how often are people drunk when they're having sex yeah drunken sex is a thing in in the hookup landscape and that happens more at parties than dating apps dating apps believe it or not people are having hella sober sex like they're they're not they're not drunk because before you meet somebody who you're going to have sex with through a dating app you're working toward that right? I mean, there is no ambiguity. You are texting, you're chatting, you're sending each other thirst traps. Like you, you have set the precedence, like you have shown the trailer of the movie that, you know, something is about to happen. So when you meet, it's less of a bold move, if you may, it's just like a natural transition. Now there, there it's a double-edged sword. Number one is it's pretty clear. There is no like ambiguity that you're going to have sex, but because you have gotten more used to this person, there is a certain sense of familiarity for which the condom use or protection was lower in dating apps compared to other other instances. So that's what I would make students wary of that, like, you know, if you're having sex, have sex, but like be be assertive, especially for women. Sometimes, you know, as women, condom negotiation becomes a very tricky thing and you add alcohol to it. Now you have no power. So not just for like being aware in terms of sexual assault and harassment, but just sexual health becomes extremely important. Like, I mean, chlamydia is 
curable but what if you what if you get something that is not curable you know what i'm saying like and was that is that is that worth it for for that one night of hookup sex that you had where you might not even have orgasmed like you know why the fuck are you doing this now so and this is this is not only for women it's for men as well because men are more likely to drink so you're more likely to not use a condom so j- just just being aware of that and there's this i'm going to geek out a little bit i'm just going to geek off for a solid 2 minutes is that yeah, cool <laughs> so when i was doing my research i i i learned about this theory called alcohol myopia theory which goes that if you have been inebriated you can we cannot see the immediate danger like our our mind cannot process it um so that's the reason why we are more likely to have riskier sex now that riskier sex could just be you wanted to make out with this person now you're giving them a blow job right and just because you give them a blow job does not make it safe right i mean you can get herpes um uh, so just just being aware of that uh is always a good idea um and and college students know that so when i asked them what are the biggest drawbacks of hooking up through dating apps they said one is catfishing that they don't want to be catfished and number 2 is stis that they don't know the sexual history of this person they are hooking up with hence they are wary of it okay have you found that gen c or i don't know if whether you found this out in your research or not but whether they have like more information on stis like are they more ed- like is there more education around it or are they like being a little bit more careful than previous generations have been or and is that is like it, less stigma as well? yeah they're safe they're practicing safe sex like over 70% students mentioned that they that they used a condom they used some sort of protection during their last hookup which goes to show that they are aware they know about mm-hmm. the implications but 20% of them or 30% of them not using a condom is also a big percentage so we we want to make sure that the awareness is is spreading and also you know i don't and i don't want to like hit it on they're being irresponsible the idea of sex is also changing right like so for example i was on another podcast with a sexual a sex sex coach and i told her that you know who are the people who are having the most amount of unprotected sex lesbian women lesbian women are not having protected sex now what is protection in lesbian sex right like you're going to put a condom around your dildo like what what is happening right i mean what is even protection and she showed me yeah, like the dental dams the dental dams oh, i didn't even know dental dams oh my gosh the ignorance the ignorance and i'm like even when she showed me the dental dam and i'm like really what is that it's like a deflated balloon and you're poking your tongue through that like we really don't give a shit about female pleasure in this world what is that oh, you know yeah. um i don't know like I, i i don't see anybody like being that cautious can you imagine like paint a picture with me will you like you're ex- two lesbian women extremely drunk they want to hook up with each other and then somebody brings up the dental dam and like pokes their tongue through that like yeah how make it make sense how like it's just no but you should is what i'm going to say like that's <laughs> clearly not setting a good example at this point. Yeah, this is a problem that I have faced as a bisexual person and also because I have herpes. So I'm like I have no idea how to have sex with a woman. Like mm. I I don't see myself ever meeting someone who's like let's bring this dental dam out and like let's get to it because I just I just think that's so right. Like, unsexy like that is the most <laughs> unsexy thing i could think of <laughs> i know it's it's just but it's like more than more than them not wanting to be safe it's like they don't have the self knowledge to to be safe and if dental dams are the only way i don't even know what to say 
there's not enough information out there, first of all, so people don't even, like, know that it's a thing. And there's not even, like, Mm -hmm. good options. So it's like, I mean... Where are we going to go from here? Like, how how do you expect this safe sex to be, like, happening all yeah. the time when, like, there's not really many yeah. many avenues to get to there, you know? Yeah. I mean, just in, in, invent something better is all I'm going to say. Like, should we wear, like, retainers, like, for our mouths? Like, I don't know. I mean, like a mouth who, guard. who knows? Who knows? Yeah, or like a vagina guard. Like who, who knows at this point? You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't know. Some some gynecologist is listening to this podcast and just cussing us out. I'm telling you. But but hate the game, don't hate the player. Like invent something better. <laughs> yeah, so true. Okay, so we're just gonna take a quick break from our guest to talk about our sponsors multiple for oh, yeah. today's episode. Uh-huh. So <laughs> thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring Sextras. We're so happy to be working with them because as we all know, men can really just neglect their skincare, hygiene, health. You know, they've never even had a skincare routine. <laughs> yeah, no. So we're very thankful to Manscaped for providing an avenue for them to take a little bit more control over these things. Exactly. And they have sent us a whole load of beautiful products. The Performance Package 4.0, which includes the lawnmower 4.0 which uses skin safe technology it has a ceramic blade and it's perfect for doing all of your little manscaping down there making it all nice and tidy for whoever's gonna be down there yeah for sure and then you can go in with the crop preserver and the crop reviver and these are a ball deodorant and a ball toner And they're just going to prevent a lot of that irritation, a lot of redness, a lot of ingrown hairs, any of the nasty stuff that basically can happen when you shave. But with these products, it won't be happening. And on top of that, you smell amazing. Yes. And then to make sure you can smell how beautiful it smells down there, you have the Weed Whacker, which again uses that skin safe technology and it just gets rid of any little straggly hairs in your ear or your nose. And yeah, make sure you're not like distracting anyone while they're talking to you or while they're below you, you know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it comes with some anti-chafing boxes and they're super, super soft. And also a little bag so you can put everything in it and yeah, you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to spring cleaning. Exactly. So go to manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SEXTRAS20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SEXTRAS20 at manscaped.com. And thank you so much to The Natural Love Company for sponsoring SEXTRAS. We're so excited to be working with them. They are a sustainable sex toy company. Their packaging and delivery is carbon neutral and waste free. As you can see, it comes in these little bags. Look at this discreet discreet packaging. packaging. It's beautiful. And Maria was literally so excited when she opened the box. She was sending me little videos. And I agree that this is like so worth the hype it's so affordable Mm -hmm. they have such a good selection of things to choose from and it's not like too much you know it's just the right amount of good quality sustainable things they have like couples options they have butt options like clit options you know it's very curated but also so easy to navigate and there's all the options you really need out there exactly and you can support a small business help save the planet while also helping save your sex life yeah their their little slogan on the packaging is fuck yourself not the planet exactly and that's what we want to be doing realistically that's what we want to be promoting here on sex So go check it out. It's thenaturallovecompany.com and use code SEXTRAS at checkout for 10% off. Yeah, so make sure you go check it out, guys. That's 10% off with the code SEXTRAS at The Natural Love Company. And we hope you enjoy them as much as we do. Um, Yeah, and support us in the meantime. Yes. 
So definitely go check both our sponsors out and we're gonna jump back into interviewing our guest. Mm-hmm. Just kind of coming back to this whole stigma question, did you find that Gen Z still have, like there's still a lot of stigma present around STIs? Were pe- are people, obviously people are being safe, but how, do, I don't know, again, if you found this in your research, but how do people feel about STIs? Like, is there a lot of scaremongering still? Are people kind of like not willing to sleep with people with STIs? What's the general attitude? I, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm so appreciative of the fact that you guys are so open about it, you know, because herpes one of the most common STIs out there, but there is a fair amount of stigma still associated with that because you have to understand, like, you know, when you see the map of the U.S., especially if if you see it in, like, you know, uh, during election time, like, it's it's predominantly a red country uh, with pockets of blue. Granted that the pockets of blue have like more population, but it still slants toward the conservative side. And when you're thinking about conservative values, you're thinking about celibacy. You're thinking about monogamy. So within those frameworks, STIs become an outlier. So even when you, even if you had an STI from a previous one partner that becomes a big taboo and and because of that you know individuals like Jonathan Van Ness coming out and saying that he has AIDS and he still has a partner is so monumental and we need more conversations like that as we are moving along in this area where we are discovering different ways of having sex right not just penetrative sex but like different ways of having sex and and, uh, and and to make room for STIs without demonizing them. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's so important. But I, it's just interesting how sex education still operates in such, at least, like, I think the UK is pretty good compared to other countries, but I know in the US it's very different, like this whole idea of scaremongering about pregnancy and STIs and abortion and all of these things are just like very taboo still. Yeah, there was a fund that was approved under the Trump administration for celibacy programs if you may believe it like it's just yeah. like people the government is spending do- like tax dollars in in promoting programs f- uh, promoting celibacy when there is no no statistically significant result out there that shows that these are effective it's not there are different ways of having sex like you know mormon countries for example BYU Brigham Young University i don't know if you've heard of this concept called soaking no, it's when they put the dick in and then they don't move oh, because then yeah, it doesn't count as that. sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like <laughs> you have these things that will happen. Like if you if you don't make room for it, then what, what the fuck are we doing? Also, I should tell you, I should tell you, I don't know anything about the UK. So all of my information about sex education has come from the show Sex Education, uh, <laughs> which is on Netflix. And... I find that show so good. Like, if that show was a person, I would hug it. It's so good. Yeah, 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 I yeah. love it so much. It's just, and you know, like, I, I always tell my students here, I'm like, you know, if you want representation, do it like that show. Because it has a gay black character. It has people who are differently abled. It has bisexual men. And they're doing it with so much ease. You know, it doesn't have to be a moment. It's yeah. it just is. And yeah. I I love that. Oh my god, I love it so 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 much. Yeah. Yeah, actually kind of like touching on this, we love that your research is like focused on all of these different races, different sexualities, different genders. Like it's so important that research is focused on all these things. Um so maybe we could touch a little bit more on this like Republican Democrat divide or just like people's political opinions and how they affect the sex they have like I think BYU is such a crazy Mm. place for people in the UK like I cannot even imagine a place like that exists (laughs) in the UK and like the fact that 
people are just so blatantly discriminating against like so many people it's crazy yeah so could you talk a bit about like people's sexual preferences in terms of race and gender and if they choose their sexual partners based on their politics mm. i i didn't unfortunately this the in my project i did not check the the effect of political orientation and the number of sexual partners they had i did i did check for something oh i did check for race though um and there are two competing thought processes here right like that is white students are having more sex than black students let's say and black students are having more sex than white students so like when people say white students are having more sex than black students is because there are more white universities and as as liberal as we have become as a society when it when it comes to choosing the partners who we have sex with and who we want to marry and who we want to partner up with we are still very racially homogenous so we we pick people of our own race and since a majority a lion's share of universities in the US are white uh, universities needless to say like you have more chances of finding sexual partners so you're having more sex and another reason why racial minorities may have less sex is because we are stereotyped faster right like if you look at um black men and women they are hypersexualized so you may not want to fit that stereotype if you're the only black person in a white neighborhood right and and then fit that stereotype and be reduced to your stereotype so you might want to play in in your defense so that could impede your chances of having more sex in colleges than than your white counterparts because you get labeled faster i did find out that hispanic students were pretty high in their sexual partnering so so that's there sometimes you just don't care and you just want to have a good time i mean fuck society right so they're going to talk about something all the time so might as well yeah i mean just to when you were talking about how our society everyone's like going to is still more likely to date within their race and whatever literally last a couple nights ago love island started you know you know it's like a national phenomenon like everyone watches it and the this year the public voted for like the initial couples and like obviously all the yeah the black people were paired up and like it, it, there was no interracial mm-hmm. shit going on basically as my point and like yeah. everyone voted yeah. for it which is just like it's so wild yeah. it's yeah. so honestly yeah like you know look at love island i love love island by the way it do every does everybody in in the uk speak like that i would i would encourage you to speak like that it's it's great i i love it uh, <laughs> no i i you know what love island i i liked phoebe waller bridge's rendition of love island that she did in snl like she spot she got it like it was so good another British woman who I like absolutely love loved Fleabag like beyond yeah. uh, it's just it's a sickening love that I have for Fleabag um, <laughs> uh, like when the priest says Neil are you kidding me like are you fucking kidding me like I am not Christian but I will convert father like I will convert for you <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, like you know even in like Love Island and then over here you have Love is Blind, like Love is Blind was huge over here and there were two Indians and those got paired together, you know? Like yeah, yeah, of you don't have any options. Like the buffet is limited, what can you do? So, yeah. Sometimes you just don't eat because the buffet is shitty. Yeah, yeah, no. We have and we definitely have talked about that idea of like especially in like queer communities and like as queer people it's mm. very like you yeah you I mean a lot of the time at school like you get left out of like a lot of experiences because like there just mm. isn't another gay person to like do all the stuff that all the other kids mm-hmm. are doing you know or like maybe that gay person you just don't really fancy them so like you just don't really get to take part mm-hmm. and so I do like that I mean I don't know if whether like dating apps are 100% positive and whatever but now there is like a space so like 
they can at least take part you know maybe it's not going to look mm -hmm. exactly the same as you were saying it's still not mm -hmm. in like the same level at the parties like all of that stuff but it's good that yeah. you know now there's all these other avenues yeah 100 percent. yeah oh my god you spoke a lot about sex today <laughs> <laughs> so much about sex yes maybe we could just finish by asking you kind of do you think there's an overall positive attitude towards sex in Gen Z? Do you think dating apps have had a positive effect on hookup culture? What's the just like the overall consensus? Mm -hmm. Gen Z has a more positive attitude towards sexuality than sex at this point because we're still grappling with, you know, pronouns and sexual identity and, and gender identity um, a lot of times people will identify as queer and not have sex you know what I'm saying like just because you came out today as gay doesn't mean that you're having gay sex today right I mean you're just you're asserting your identity at this point and when the time comes you will have sex uh, an impeding factor for Gen Z to go out there and have sex as freely as we did can be impeded by just the divisions that we have in society right now which have become so evident for example if somebody comes to you like you you meet up a guy at a party and like 2010 when this was not a conversation like you found him extremely hot and you would hook up with him. But then you find out that they voted for a certain politician who you don't agree with. Well, your boner is down already. So the non-negotiables are are increasing because of these divides that we're creating in society. So that, that reduces Gen Z's chances of just like having an open perception toward towards sex. And, and also how are we perceived? Because we're always living under this gaze of somebody so those those are some external societal factors that can impede your sexual drive but attitude wise value wise gen z has more space about thinking about sex more expansively than the previous generation that's for sure that's great that's good to hear yeah good news for gen z <laughs> always glad to hear something positive of course you guys are leading the way you guys are leading the way oh thank you <laughs> we wish <laughs> no but i feel like a lot of what's reported on is that gen z are like having way less sex and i kind of would agree from my own experience but like in terms of sexual fulfillment i think we're definitely on the right path towards meeting the right people because we have like a narrower criteria that we mm. allow into our lives which again can make it difficult to be mm -hmm. having so much sex but also you're having sex with just like better people and hopefully meeting people that you can continue sleeping with or maybe go on to date or whatever it is people are looking for so yeah glad to hear that it's kind of in the right track <laughs> yeah and I feel like it will only get better by you know like Gen Z is talking about it more kind of what you were saying earlier so I feel like it will only improve from there because that's how like things get better by like actually talking about it and actually knowing what your options are yeah and how to go about finding those options yeah Okay, well, is there anything you want to add? Any part of your research that you think we kind of completely skipped over that you think it's important to highlight before we finish? I want men to also participate in these conversations. It's a very female-dominated area, you know, like, you know, with Sextras, with, with a multiple other uh, podcasts that are going around, which, which are sex health sexual health sexual awareness based and there is a prominent lack of men in those spaces and and not blaming it on them because sometimes like you know they are their collateral damage because we're all fighting against patriarchy so can you imagine a straight man opening up a podcast about sex and we're like what do you care about like you get an orgasm <laughs> and like you know yada yada and we shut them down i wouldn't want that culture to propagate so to have the sensitivity of folding men in like 
Emma Watson told her told in her speech in the United Nations. Well, she was talking about feminism. I'm talking about sex, but to fold to fold men into the conversation. So like talking about talking about sex because sometimes having sex is simpler than talking about it but if we don't communicate our needs if we don't learn how to receive another person's sexual needs who's winning no one's winning mm-hmm. so to That's to true. create the space for men to like walk in and say hey like what can we do or what would you like us to do in gay relationship and uh, in heterosexual relationships and polyamorous relationships we need to create a space where both our needs are satisfied so we can have good sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's about the quality, not the quantity. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes the quantity does not hurt. It's it's okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A balance of both. <laughs> well, we would love people to go check out your book and to buy it. So could you let everyone know where they can find it, where they can find you on social media? I would encourage you to not buy my book. Here's here's why. Because the book is $95. I don't want you to spend $95 out of your own pocket, even though pounds are stronger than the dollar. It's going to be a couple of pounds lesser. But save that money. Ask your library to buy it. And if you do want to support me, Please follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a website. You can find me everywhere as Dr. Aditi Paul or I am Aditi Paul. If you like something I said, please reach out and let me know. If you disagree with something I said, reach out even more and let me know. (laughs) Great. Yeah, we'll put it all in the description so people can contact you and hopefully people yeah, people will give us some feedback about whether they think what your research has found is accurate to their lives. I'm sure people will let you know if they disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, thank you so much for doing this important research. It's really helpful. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and letting us know about it as well. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for, for having me. Okay, guys, I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording with Dr. Aditi Paul. You can find her where she told you. We'll leave that in the description as well. And yeah, just to remind you that we have a meetup for our second or two year anniversary coming up. That's going to be in Hyde Park on the 25th of June. And we would love to see you there. And it's going to start from 1 p.m. onwards. We would love to see you there. Invite your friends, bring some snacks, bring some drinks, and dress in red, white, and pink, of course, if you can. Uh, but yeah, it's just we're just gonna have a nice little time, celebrate sextras, meet, make some friends, meet you guys, hopefully. So come on down, and you will find so much more information about that and like the specific information about that in the description, as well as on our Instagram. So check us out. That's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and reddit that's just at sexless podcast all of those and our website is www.sexlesspodcast.com and you can find all of the information there for all our episodes it's all narrowed down really nicely and yeah check out our youtube so you can see the video version of this and other than that we will see you next tuesday bye You've been listening to Sextras, presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodatiyi, produced by Mabel Productions. Sex.